Marissa Norcross. And I'm Dave Freud, and this is The Next Page. Marissa, how are you today? You know, I am thinking spring, which is you are thinking great spring. for oh. me. I just that is have decided that that is like my attitude now. <laughs> great. <laughs> is that I am just so excited and ready for this fresh season. And you know, my newsletter article is going to be about spring. Look at that. So, wow, great minds think alike. <laughs> so, and I, I am in such a good place today. Wow. Um, I am just, it's, it's crazy. So people say, so why is Dave in such a good place? Well, because I'm, I'm, I get to talk about a really neat topic today that has me super excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and tomorrow I leave for Orlando to spend, you know, three or four days with my John Maxwell team friends. And I always come back super pumped up and super exhausted mm-hmm. all at the same time. And I get to see my parents, too, for the weekend. Which is so really nice. nice. Mm-hmm. So I have a surprise for you that I did not tell you about wow. in our pre-podcast conversation. So this morning, I got an alert that we had a message on the YouTube version of the next page. And it was from Bill Tyndall's daughter. No way. Yes, Tiki Tyndall. And if she's listening, thank you so much for sending me the message. But she must have got some kind of an alert on YouTube uh-huh. about our episode on Tyndallgrams. And it was just the neatest comment that she made. She referenced another book that, you know, so Tiki, if you are listening, I am going to go out and, and get that book next. Um, as soon as I finish the one that I'm working through right now. And she said that one of the amazing things about her dad was that even though he led all of those meetings, everybody that was in those meetings still had a voice. Mm-hmm. Thought what a and, you know that's exactly what we were talking about when this great man and, and about this great man and how he influenced NASA. That is so cool. My jaw is cool? on the ground right now. <laughs> and I thought I'm not going to tell her. Oh my god! Going to tell her live. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Super exciting when I when I saw it this morning. I'm starstruck. I had to quickly starstruck, and I had to send a quick message to my two boys who also have have read the book and 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 are pretty pretty sold on that. So talking about influence, so that's what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. So, um, President Eisenhower had there's this quote I use in all my classes. When he was the Supreme Allied Commander, he said. Influence is the ability to get other people to do what you want done, but because they want to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's influence. John Maxwell says leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So I found myself being influenced mm-hmm. in a most remarkable way. So I'm listening. So Ed Milet, um, one of the speakers that Live to Lead, I love, I love Ed's passion. I love his energy. Um, and I, so I started following his podcast. And he has this 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 woman on um and it's about influence so oh i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to this and so ed is interviewing dr zoe chance from yale's school of management and before i before long i was paying for an extra month or an extra you know download for audible Mm -hmm. and ordering the hard copy of the book she had influenced me in such a subtle way that but it was so powerful. So I thought, wow, I really need to figure out what this whole influence thing is about. So as you read through my my post, what what jumped out at you? Yeah, I, I thought that 
it was really interesting the way she describes the two systems of our brain and i i yes. don't i don't want to spoil it i know i know you'll get into that but um that was very eye-opening it made a lot of sense and it was also something that i had not really thought much about before right yeah so so the two sides of the brain there's two different processings going on or processes going on in our brain and she refers to one as the gator brain and the other as the judge in her book now if you if you watch some of her youtube videos where other people have interviewed her she may talk about the 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 judge as the courtroom but so one of the things that she realized was this she and and so zoe is this person from just what i've what i've gathered she loves to step outside her comfort zone and do things that a little bit scared. Um, one in the book she talks about is skydiving mm. and, and how she, you know, went skydiving and, and how the, the, the trainer or the person taking her skydiving literally eased her to the point of making all these easy decisions to literally then just jump out of an airplane. Right. But she also went to a farm, I guess it's called Gatorland or something in Florida. Mm -hmm. And they offer you the opportunity to feed the gators. So she wanted to do it. It's, it's kind of scary. Let's go out and, you know. And, and so the, the man that was with her said, listen, just understand, these are not tame. They're trained, but they're not tame. These are wild alligators. And so what she did was she threw the meat to the gators. If the meat was outside the zone that the gator normally eats from or reacts to, it would just ignore it and it would lay there till birds came and got it. If it was within the certain range of the gator, whatever the gator's normal reaction phase was, the gator would, would lightning speed zap, you know, snap up the meat. Mm -hmm. What she realized was it's reacting without thinking. Mm-hmm. It has so certain things, certain conditions have to be met, and the gator will react. And our gator brain is the same way. Mm -hmm. And most of our decisions that we make throughout the day are made by our gator brain. Because it's those, something that can, like the gator, automatically knows that it is easy enough to to get that meat at that distance, but that yes, if it's at the further distance that it requires more slower deliberation, which they don't expend energy on, right? Exactly, exactly. And what she says in the book, she says that a gator weighs about a thousand pounds, but their brain is the size of a tablespoon. Mm -hmm. And she says in the book that a gator can go three years without eating. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I did, I did, did a little bit of a fact check there, and I, and it crocodiles for sure can go three years without eating so i was like wow is this yeah she's right mm -hmm. but they so for them to be able to go three years without eating they can't waste any energy right they don't waste energy have, on making on wrestling right. with decisions exactly they waste no energy wrestling with decisions yeah. so the gator part of our brain makes decisions mostly unconsciously mm -hmm. they're fast they're intuitive and it's automatic and it's so the, and it's trainable, right? Like it's tra absolutely trainable. Habits, yes. right? Yes. Now let's look at the other side of the brain here for a minute. So the judge or court system part of our brain, system two, is making conscious decisions. It's very slow. It's very deliberate, and it takes a ton of effort. Mm -hmm. it takes a ton of energy 
for that part of our brain to make a decision. Let me flip back to the gator part. So the gator part of our brain is really part of our, it's our limbic system. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing about our limbic system, and I know I'm combining emotional intelligence, crucial conversations, and influence here, it, it isn't capable of language. So it's our feelings. Mm-hmm. And what I found interesting is if we talk about leadership and trying to influence, you really can't influence a person with a ton of information. If you give them a bunch of data, you're not necessarily more likely to get the action that you want. We have to frame things in such a way that people make the decision because it feels right in the right moment and oftentimes even without having to expend a lot of energy. Here's an interesting tidbit before we get into how to, you know, how the gator brain really works and some examples. Um, they, they did a study of parole judges in Israel. This is something in her book. And two-thirds of the people that appeared before the judges in the morning received parole. As it got to be late morning or later in the day, nobody was granted parole. Mm-hmm. But they're looking at the data. And what that data, what the information actually proved was this. Our gator brain even affects our judge brain. Mm-hmm. Because as they got tired, as they got annoyed with what was going on, they started making these snap decisions or negative decisions. And so that was something really telling that, hey, make sure you understand that the gator part of your brain is even affecting the judge part of your brain. So the judge part of our brain would be the one that perhaps could become overwhelmed by decision making and then put yes. us into like that, that paralyzed state of, okay, I'm just not making decisions now. Right. And oftentimes we don't even realize it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, another example in, in the book is, you know, uh, report grading reports, teachers grading exams, grading mm-hmm. essays, you know, or, or, or people looking at resumes. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get to a point where you just can't process it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if the book was the reports or the, or the resumes, but the point is the same. We get to a point where we can't handle any more processing any more data. Mm-hmm. So the reality then is if we truly want to influence a person, keep it simple. And try to influence the gator part of their brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, appeal to the gator brain. <laughs> appeal, yeah, appeal to the gator part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Because the gator part of the brain preserves resources. It understands if something is dangerous and going to deplete the resources. It'll tune out any distraction that isn't helpful for it. Mm-hmm. It really becomes an emotional reaction. And it will handle things based on rules that it has created Mm -hmm. and anything else it sends to the judge. So if we can find ways to interact with people on that first part, the gator part, it's amazing. So let's, let's dive into how the gator brain works. Cause there are these, uh, how many points did I add? Five points that I, that I all took from her. None of this is, I'm not smart enough to think this stuff up. That's why it was amazing um, how she did it. And something else that I just, I, I actually, I was so impressed because I'm really critical when it comes to speakers. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed. I actually, my wife came into my office yesterday as I was working on this. And I said to her, I said, 
what do you think this woman does for a living? Because it was so um, unlike a professor. Mm-hmm. Like I think of a professor as somebody who's lecturing. Think of a professor who's somebody who's writing on a board and, you know, explaining what they're writing with their back to you, you know, and if you can't hear them exactly, I can't imagine what it was like being in classrooms with masks, you know, when mm-hmm. people are facing away from you writing on a board. But, but Zoe is, she just, she invites you into the conversation. You're having, it's like immediately you like her and you're having a conversation with a friend which clearly she has honed the skills of influence. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But so the first part here is attention versus distractions. We have to figure out when is a person most likely to say yes. Mm-hmm. And thinking about it, I, I watched this one presentation she did when she said, you know, think ahead. Bef- you know, when do you want to make the offer for them to pick the choice that you want them to pick? And if we think about it, that's what leadership is, getting people to do what we want done, but because they want to do it. So she says, when is the, most, the best time to do this? And then she also, you know, best time and place. What are the moments of truth when a decision needs to be made? She also refers to this, uh, this thing called the Zagarnik effect, which this apparently was a German um, researcher back in the 20s. And, and what this says is that we react to and remember open loops, but we forget once the loop is closed. And she used the example of like clickbait, mm-hmm. you know, where you see what, you know, we're using, we're, we're attracted to and to look for something we don't know the answer to, but it's just, it's just an automatic. Oh, I got to click here. I got to click here. Do we really need to know that? But it is a way of getting people's attention and getting them to drill down to a, lo- to a different level. Of, of what we're offering. Um, clearly the ease. The gator knows when to eat. Mm-hmm. So where, who is the retailer that you use the most? Hmm. I think it's, it depends. Uh, okay. But I know where you're, I think I know where you're going with this question. <laughs> so I will say that like when Target started doing drive up, they, you know, mm-hmm. you where you just order on the app and I yep. don't have to unpack my kids from their car seats and I open yes. my trunk and my order gets delivered that they started getting a lot more of my like household ordering business sure. and even some grocery business yep. because yeah, they don't charge a fee like some other retailers do. So there you go. They made it easy. They made right? it so easy. Yeah. And now do they remember your shopping preferences? Uh, well, it's all like in the app, so you can always go back and like reorder things. And yes, um, and now exactly. they they have made it even easier because for me, they're going to get more of my business because apparently now you can also do returns curbside and wow. Starbucks. So for those of you who use the Starbucks Ooh. inside Target, you can get that. So it's like a one stop shop now. That's they, awesome. They're really capturing the market. <laughs> They've made the it moms, easy. The moms, the parents. Yes. They've made it easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A remembers my order. Mm-hmm. And when I open the app, it says, would you like to reorder this? And mm-hmm. I do. I order the same thing every time I go. Yeah. Starbucks does that too. Yep. And yeah. And then, mm-hmm. and what I love is 
pull in, you know, you pay in the app, you pull into the spot, you tell them the spot you're at, and they bring it to your car. I yep. mean, how? So the example that, that Zoe uses in her book is Domino's, where Domino's decided that people typically, like all of us, right? Starbucks, you probably get the same thing at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. I get the same thing at Chick-fil-A. They People typically buy the same pizza. Mm -hmm. So they set it up so that you could just text them an emoji. Yeah. And the pizza would show up at your house. Uh -huh. Their share value went up 12% in one year. At the same time, Pizza Hut's dropped because mm -hmm. they made it easy. Especially when it comes to like food and beverages where it's like you're capturing the market of like hungry people or like. Yes. Think about pizza, right? Like you're a parent. You've got like you pick up your kids from school. You got dance. You got basketball. You got all the things. Then it's like suddenly you have five hungry people who need to eat. And it's right. like, let's not spend too much time thinking about this. We're hungry now. And. What's, you know, what's the easiest way out of this? To send an exactly. emoji to Domino's. <laughs> right. And it because people don't have to think. Yeah. So we're appealing to the gator brain. We're mm -hmm. influencing them to make, if you're going to make a decision, make it this way. Mm -hmm. um, which I thought was great. There was another example that she gave in the book. And then when I watched one of her presentations on YouTube, I actually saw it. So there's a monsoon season in Hong Kong where it rains all the time. And all the poor people in Hong Kong want to do is go somewhere where there's sun. Mm -hmm. But when would you figure, like, it's when do you think about sunny beaches the most? Not in July, because you can go to a lake in Syracuse and get mm -hmm. sunny, you know. But you think about sunny beaches in January. So what the, this company did, an ad agency for a, a resort or something in the Philippines, put these ads in sidewalks or in the pavement with water repellent spray. And they even put a QR code into the sidewalks. So here are these poor people in the monsoon season in Hong Kong. As they're walking, all of a sudden they see this image coming out of the sidewalk. And it's a QR code for a resort in the Philippines where there's sunshine. Right. And literally you could scan the QR code and book a vacation. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Meeting the people where they, like, you're meeting them at the, the juncture of, like, their pain point. Instead exactly. of, like, expecting them to perseverate on their pain point and then right. Google and search and make a, dis uh, right. like, analyze the choices. Exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, so, well, there it yeah. is. You know, and so I've been I've been working on, you know, I needed to find a hotel for Friday night mm -hmm. when I land in Orlando, I, a rental car. And it, some of these things were so complicated and I mm -hmm. had to make so many different phone calls. It didn't make any sense that it was that hard. Mm -hmm. I love booking a lot of things through Costco. I went to try to book my car through Costco and it literally told me there are no cars available at the Orlando airport. Mm -hmm. What? It's got to be cars. So then I go, I, I went to, to Hertz um, through Expedia, you know, it was just, but still it should be easier than that. Mm -hmm. And the more, e the easier we make it, the more likely we are to get the business. Mm -hmm. I think Number about that all was, the time. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and you know, and you and I've talked about it, you yeah. know, um, how easy is it for a person to register for one of our events? Not we have issues, not very, issues. <laughs> not very easy. So what we, what I keep telling people is I'm very dedicated. I am working on it. I know you are, and it's not your fault. It's 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 our provider, right? Um, 
it should be one click. It should be as easy as ordering something or returning something to Amazon or Target. Mm -hmm. Because when people are in the moment, when we get to that that very powerful, you know, focus time, the moments of truth, when they're feeling they want to do it, when they see the opportunity, we have to get that meat right in front of their nose so they mm -hmm. eat it quickly. Now, somebody say, wait, this is all about marketing, Dave. No, it's not. If I want my employees to do what I want them to do on the production floor, it has to be that easy. Mm -hmm. If I want them to fill out the quality paperwork, it has to be that easy. Yeah. If I want you know, people to access within my facility, training, safety, HR, whatever it is, it has to be that easy. Yeah. Remove the barriers. That's, Remove the barriers. Yeah. Exactly. Scarcity and exclusivity, that's clearly one. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's a way to motivate them because if you're hungry enough, you're going to eat. It doesn't matter what it costs. But I want to jump onto the labeling, which is number four. Mm -hmm. This one I found really cool because labeling works in a negative way or a positive way. Did a test with kids in, in an elementary school. One table, they didn't do anything. Another table, they, they, they put this, this statement, you should be neat and tidy. And another table, it said, you are neat and tidy. The table with nothing, there was a bunch of trash. The one that said, you should be neat and tidy, twice as much trash was picked up. But the one where they were saying, where they were affirming the behavior they wanted, you are neat and tidy, five times the amount of trash was picked up by those kids. Mm -hmm. But as parents, we focus on what our kids do wrong mm -hmm. rather than labeling the behavior we're looking for. Mm -hmm. I did at least. So think about this with our teams, with our people. How are we labeling them? Labeling isn't, isn't bad if it's used the right way. Now, there was this negative labeling, which I thought was cute. I mean, I've heard this phrase, often a bridesmaid, never a bride. I've heard that my whole life. That phrase came from a marketing ad for Listerine in 1924. Like, it's kind of cruel, but... Yeah, that wouldn't blow over yeah. now, 100 years yeah. later. No, 100 but... years later, you would, you'd have to come up with another example. Yeah, they, they'd lose but, market share. Right. But the point was, they in that time, it worked for them mm -hmm. to say, if you're looking for this life that you think is important, you better make sure you don't have bad breath. Mm -hmm. Um. The next, oh, this one, this one I did talk to you about too is two different baskets of oranges. One labeled fresh Florida oranges, the other oranges. The one with the label fresh Florida oranges, sales increased 26%. Where do we get oranges from? Most of them come from Florida. They look fresh. They will look the same. So if you, again, you're, you're appealing to the gator brain. Are we labeling the things we want people to do in such a way that they're drawn to it? Mm -hmm. Then the last one she refers to as the hot potato. Uh, others just look at it as moments of truth. But this one was really interesting because she talks about when she says, when faced with resistance, send it back to them. And she uses this example. You offer someone something and they say, I'm not interested right now. If you simply come back with this reply, really? You're not interested now? It's a question. It's not mean. It's not accusatory. You're asking the person, basically, tell me why. And they give you information. Now, you may not convince them or influence them to do what you want them to do in that moment, but you have information you didn't have before. The goal mm -hmm. is to always get more information. 
And then we get to, this was the one I put in the post, if you want the magic question. And I said, so here's another one. I left it last <laughs> because I want people waiting for it because I'm influencing them to listen to everything we talked about until now. The magic question's amazing. And it's simply this, what would it take? <laughs> this was one of the questions that Zoe talked about with Ed on the Ed Milet podcast. What would it take? And the example she uses is priceless. So I'm going to use one that, that Zoe used, and then I'm going to use one that just happened this morning. So the one that Zoe uses in her book and in and, and, and the talks that she does, she brings this up frequently, was she was having a conversation with Gloria Steinem. And, and Gloria Steinem was, you know, a, a renowned feminist, um, you know, from, from the, the 60s, 70s time frame. Anyways, she went to a village in Africa because she really had a burden for all the sex trafficking that was going on. And so she meets with these women in the village, and she says, what would it take to stop this? What would it take to stop the sex trafficking? And these women said, an electric fence. I'm like, electric fence? What's that going to keep the, the traffickers out? Well, no, what the women, and so she said, tell me why. And what they said was that, that we plant corn, and this corn crop is what sustains our village throughout the year but just as the corn is growing and getting to the point just before harvest elephants come and eat it she said if we had an electric fence to keep the elephants away we'd have the corn that we could sell and eat and families wouldn't need to sell their children into slavery so she said so if i got you an electric fence would you clear you know remove the stones and put the fence up yes absolutely she comes back to the States, raises the money, sends the money for the electric fence, comes back a year later. Literally what she says was, Gloria Steinem said there was dancing in the village. There was an abundance of corn and mm -hmm. none of their daughters were sold into as sex slaves. Mm -hmm. She never would have thought of the electric fence. And when you ask, what would it take? You're actually telling the person that you're talking with, you're the expert. I need your information and I want to collaborate with you. Mm -hmm. When they give you that information, they're committing to doing what it is they said. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. So let me give you the example that just happened this morning. So I'm, I have one of my transformational leadership calls, and, and a, a gentleman asked. So at the end of the call, this is the call we do mid-month where we're talking about the topic. And um, he said, I got a question for you. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm a supervisor in this area managing this area, and I don't have the technical expertise that my technicians do. And when I ask them things, they tell me, you know, we just can't do that. He says, do you have any advice? And I said, oh, do I have advice for you? <laughs> I'm prepping for a podcast that I'm going to do as soon as we're done here. And what you need to do is ask the magic question. Now, I also made sure that I showed them a copy of Zoe's book and said, you really need to dig into this. I said, what if you said, ask those technicians, okay, so what would it take for us to do this or this? You're affirming that they're the experts. You're asking them for information. They're going to have to implement the information if they share it with you. I said, now it may be that it still is impossible, but at least you've opened up the dialogue and you can influence them to go down the path you want them to go because you said, what would it take? Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking, okay, so if I want to go on vacation with my wife, honey, what would it take for us to be able to do that? Rather than 
you know, I really need a vacation. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different way of influencing. Zoe used this one example in one of the, the broadcasts that I saw where she had a TA that just was habitually late. And rather than saying, you know, you're a jerk, you're lazy, you need to get up in the morning, she just said, what would it take for you to come in on time? And she got the commitment for him to come in. So that's the power. The magic question is truly magic. Mm-hmm. And, and I, lo- I just love her way of influencing. And so, so next, week, next week we're going to dig a little deeper. Um, and that's all I'll say. Because there's some other amazing tools that we can use to influence. Great. Any closing thoughts from you? Did I miss anything? No, I, I, I think this is really interesting, and I'm excited to, to look up Dr. Chance and learn more. I guarantee you, if you start listening to her, watching some of her presentations, her way of drawing you in is just amazing. She's, mm-hmm. one of the, she's an amazing communicator. And I, I envy some of those skills. And, and I will tell you this. So for our listeners, just it's a little bit of a tease. This is the exclusivity part, maybe, <laughs> appealing to the gator brain. So I was, I was doing a training in a company earlier in the week. And I had listened to the audiobook on my way to this, the city where this training was. And we had a few people in the class that weren't as participative as we would have liked. And midway through the class... We take a break, and the plant manager says, hey, did you notice that so-and-so? I said, yeah. I said, let's see what happens after the break. And I used some of the tips that Zoe had in the book, mm-hmm. and those three people commented probably more than the other people that were commenting before the break. Wow. It's amazing how fast you can influence somebody if you just realize. And it's not pressure. It's not sleazy car salesman stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just understanding how the brain works and how we can connect. So that's next week. We'll talk more about that. Awesome. So with that, I'm I'm Dave Freund. I'm Marissa Norcross. This was The Next Page. (laughs)